You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. The following podcast may contain language and discussions of a frank and adult nature, and spoilers regarding the films discussed are always to be expected. Thank you for joining us. Now start the show, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! Okay, welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 131. I'm your host, Lee. My mind is most alert at night while people sleep, Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. Breasts of solid teak. Harper, how you doing, sir? I, I was hoping you would give me something like that for my uh, for my intro today. So I'm, uh, I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I was like, oh, a gypsy whore. I need to throw a line there to, to Daniel. Yeah, I, in relation if, to that. If there's if there's anything I need, it's it's a traveler who also sells sexual relations calls, you know. <laughs> they will have sex with me and then also leave. And mm-hmm. some people will change hands. And you know, that's just that's just how I roll. It's yeah. a it's a great thing. <laughs> also can it also be the sixteenth century uh Transylvania? That would be the other uh thing yeah. that we need to really make that to really make that sing, you know. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at a hammer film this time out this is going to be our little introduction basically into the uh sexy vampire movies of hammer uh we're doing it out of chronology but this is the one that's sort of not in the uh quote-unquote karnstein trilogy that uh hammer is most known for so we're going to be looking at countess dracula from 1971 but before we do that, we'll just get into what we've watched in the last little while. I have nothing, so uh, I'll throw it over to Daniel. I just have one. I won't talk about it too long, but I did see Black Klansman, the, okay. uh, the new Spike Lee film, which is, I've seen it once. I will definitely want to see it again. It is very funny in a lot of places. It is Spike Lee's newest film. I think it makes more sense to think of it as uh, the new Jordan Peele movie because he did produce this, and it kind of has... It's more, it kind of seems more in line with his sensibilities, but Spike Lee definitely gives his own kind of directorial take on it. But I kind of get the sense he was kind of hired fairly late in development. And it's uh, a little more of a kind of, you know, directed for hire kind of thing. Although he did, I kind of co-write it. So I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay his involvement. I'm just saying like it it may, it seems a little out of character for a lot of Spike Lee's other, other work um, in some ways. It seems more like kind of a follow-on to like get out than it does mm-hmm. to uh, to a lot of other stuff. But uh, this movie is uh, very, very funny in places. It's very well acted. Adam Driver is phenomenal. And in a way, he is kind of the lead in the film. Yeah. Uh, as the uh, <laughs> the other guy who's, pl- you know, the white guy who's playing <laughs> the Klansman, who's the undercover cop. The lead, I'm sorry, I've got his name in front of me here, excuse me. John David Washington, who is Denzel Washington's son. Oh, really? Um, yeah, no, um, who's uh, been in a couple of things. He's in his early 30s, but um, I'm hoping this really kind of opens up his career. I hope he gets a lot more work because uh, he's really, really good in it. And uh, to for grace is David Duke. Um, uh, I happen to know for a fact that David Duke has been whining for, yes. for months about this. 
because I follow David Duke's career now. It's yeah. the thing I do. Um, anyway, this film is, I, I don't really want to talk too much about it until you have a chance to see it. If you ever want to cover it on this podcast, we definitely can. I, I think so. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, no, I've been interested um, to see it. Yeah. This is, it's, it's a fascinating film. I think it's got its issues, but I think it's really profound. It's probably going to be on my top 10 of the year list. It's to, it was just a really, really intense experience. Uh, just a warning to anybody who might see it is that at the very end of the film, it does include a uh, real life footage from Charlottesville, Virginia from 2017. Oh, yeah. If you have not seen that footage, I mean, I have, I have literally seen some of this footage, you know, a dozen mm-hmm. times just for my own, the stuff that I'm working on that is at this podcast and uh, seeing it on the big screen, it hits you harder than you, you know, so think it will and uh, i saw this with my wife and she i mean just burst into tears at that at that moment uh, with the with the force of it and not just those sequences but there are other sequences in the film that are legitimately disturbing and fascinating and that really kind of you know stick the knife in and twist it uh, in terms of really kind of creating this this moment of making us kind of understand as an audience, you know, kind of what we're actually looking at. So I won't talk too much about it otherwise, um, especially if you do want to see it and cover it. Um, I think it would be a really interesting film to cover for the podcast, especially if we do it alongside some of the other stuff from like the uh, there's there's actually a film called Black Klansmen from the early 60s right that uh is on amazon prime right now and i think it might be an interesting kind of comparison or there are some other films that, that kind of deal with similar material there's a bogart film from the from the late 30s that covers uh going undercover in the clan you know i think i think there's some there's some interesting material that we might we might be able to kind of do a little series maybe about like movies about the clan maybe but anyway really phenomenal film and this deserves to make some money. So if you're listening to this and you're on the fence about seeing it, I give it a very, very high recommendation. So Nice. Yeah, I've, I've wanted to see it. So uh, that just pushes me more in that direction. Uh, it was like, I, I hadn't really seen like any sort of promotional material for it. I just, you know, had read, oh, new movie, Black Klansman coming out soon, you know. And Spike Lee is like, okay, this looks like something interesting from Spike Lee. And then, like you said, it, it sounds like maybe he came a little bit late in the game and that it's more, maybe they're slightly just using his name for promotional purposes here. You know, yeah, like, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those like things where it's less like a Spike Lee film and more a Spike Lee, Jordan Peele co-production sort of right. thing, you know, because it does seem like it was sort of conceived as a comedy. And then like, you know, Spike Lee kind of puts his own, you know, twist on gives it its, its own thing, and uh, it's a it's a legitimately fascinating film. And I, I I mean, honestly, the reality is I don't. There's some complicated stuff in it that I don't even know quite how I feel about it on on mm-hmm. one viewing. It's kind of growing in my mind in terms of how I feel about it, and there are some elements that I think are, you know, kind of don't feel very 2018 to me, but maybe do in some complicated ways. And I mean, it's a legitimately challenging film in some ways. And I think that it's a film that deserves to be talked about. And this is a film that, but it's also just a lot of fun. I mean, you can walk into this film and basically spend, you know, most of two hours kind of just enjoying the ride. I mean, it's sort of, it's a, it's an undercover cop movie. It's a, you know, kind of a fish out of water story. It's kind of, I mean, it's got broad comedic, uh, bits to it it's buddy cop you know it's it's a lot of different things kind of all going on at once but it does rise to a surprising uh, amount of dramatic power um, particularly in the final third and then again what's your this is showing literal like you know 
you know, car attack footage from Charlottesville at you, then that it just, it just drives the whole thing home because, you know, not to, I mean, I'm not really spoiling the film, the ads tell you that David Duke is in the film and the whole thing is, you know, basically David Duke lit, you know, David Duke gets away and then David Duke Mm -hmm. was in Charlottesville. And when you can put like real footage of this now 70 year old man standing there and saying the exact same fucking things he was saying in the film in 1978 and 79, it's like, well, you know, there's a futility to it, you know, that's, that's actually, uh, when I saw the trailer, that's kind of what sold me on wanting to watch it, especially was seeing Topher Grace playing David Duke. I was like, wow, that's fucking brilliant casting right there. <laughs> it is. I mean, if there's one thing I would say is that Topher Grace plays him a little bit, he kind of underplays the role just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. Because I have like kind of watched interviews with David Duke from around the time, and you know I've kind of listened to some some radio shows, and I and I think that you know it's not that it's a bad performance, but I think it is a slightly underplayed. I think he he could have like uh, kind of really made the guy a little bit smarmier. And if anything, the film is very nice to David Duke. I mean, there is like real life shit about David Duke that they definitely get thrown into this film. Yeah, I mean, you know, David David Duke is a known womanizer, and there's a pretty good evidence that all the you know, racist bullshit that he spews is kind of just made up to, you know, build his followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been doing that for decades. Uh, so uh, anyway, you know, yeah. David Duke, if you ever listen to this, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. You make uh, the most boring Nazi podcasts ever. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I'll take your word for it because I'm never going to listen to those. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to David Duke's audiobook, the audiobook oh. of his of his uh, you know, My Awakening, which is his autobiography. And I'm telling you, there's a good four hours of it that suggest let's name all the terrible things that any Jewish person has done. Yeah. Like, you know. It's just a list of bad people who are also Jews. That's that's like <laughs> you know. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, yeah. this this is our this is the fun podcast that we do. But anyway, Black Black Klansman, truly, truly interesting, phenomenal film. Almost certainly going to be in my top ten of the year. See it in theaters if you can. It is a truly wonderful experience and and worth seeing and thinking about. Awesome. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some promos for some podcasts that are awesome and uh, not full of nazis and <laughs> i mean just the fun kind of nazis you know like like the the nazis that uh you know renders of the lost ark is full of nazis but you know those are those are the fun nazis because they just get punched and they don't live at the are they they sometimes they live but you know at least at least they're they're just straightforward bad guys you know either either the face melting nazis or the uh monty python nazis who yeah. uh who run for uh local government in, in britain in great britain <laughs> <laughs> The, the 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 national socialist party or whatever yeah. or the or the uh, giallo giallo nazis you know those yeah. the nazi exploitation films maybe those but you know not the not the real life kind that we actually have to deal with on twitter these days right so. and we'll also play a little bit of music and we'll be right back you ungodly warlock Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, you come to the right place my name is gary and i'm your guide to cinema beef podcast every episode we not only deliver film reviews we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Yo, slats. 
That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. And remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. You ungodly warlock. Okay, Countess Dracula from 1971. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the ugliest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Devil woman. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most terrifying of them all? The Countess was a countess young and fair with tender skin and flaxen hair oh countess how do you keep your looks what secrets in these ancient books the book what book the chapter on blood sacrifices please help me i don't know what's happened to me say lovely say it yes 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 i love you yes Don't you realize that you get uglier each time you get old? And you can't go on killing forever? Why not? That woman embodies all the virtues. Mistress, friend, and mother-in-one, does such a woman exist? 
know how you cling to youth. Dare you tell them the dreadful truth? These walls could tell, but cannot speak of the sudden cry, the muffled shriek. Doby. Where is she? Look at me, Doby. Look at me. And what will your daughter say? She arrives tomorrow, and she'll find you as young as she is. Hold me. No. Blood. Whose blood? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most terrifying of them all? The Countess Dracula. Julie! Have I changed so much? I don't know what's happened to me. Blood. Whose blood? Devil woman. Directed by Peter Sazdi, who uh, has previously for Hammer done Taste the Blood of Dracula and The Hands of the Ripper. Taste the Blood of Dracula, of course, being my favorite Hammer film. Maybe, depending on what day you ask me. Written by Jeremy Paul, Alexander Powell, Peter Sazdi, Gabriel Rene, based on an idea by this person. And uh, uncredited the book by Valentine Penrose. And I'm assuming that's probably like an Elizabeth Bathory book of some sort i didn't do any research into that but uh i'm kind of research on this podcast it's fine no i I do selective research sometimes i just totally miss things and it's (laughs) you know it's fine (laughs) yeah the the most research i did for this was i did look at a website about countess bathory and i did google ingrid pitt newt those are the two i was about to say that was that was a part of my research too the the latter there uh hey here's what she looks like dude and and still form yeah uh yeah uh, so, starring the lovely Ingrid Pitt as Countess Elizabeth Nassaday, uh, unfortunately dubbed in this movie, but uh, we'll get to that. Nigel Green, who you might know from Zulu Dawn, very accomplished British actor as Captain Doby. Sander Elise as Lieutenant Emir Toff. Maurice Dinham as Grandmaster Fabio, the castle historian. Patience Collier as Julie Zintat, Zinti? Zintis? Something like that. that. Uh, Leslie Ann Down as Countess Ileona Nassade. And Peter Jeffrey as Captain Baloch, Chief Bailiff. So there you go. We do have a synopsis I pulled from IMDb here by someone called Jeremy Perkins. In medieval Europe, aging Countess Elizabeth rules harshly with the help of lover Captain Doby. Finding that washing in the blood of young girls makes her young again, she gets Doby to start abducting likely candidates. The Countess, pretending to be her own daughter, starts dallying with a younger man, much to Doby's annoyance. The disappearances cause mounting terror locally, and when she finds out that only the blood of a virgin does the job, Dobie is sent out again with a more difficult task. It's it's funny how, like, you know, so many of these IMDb summaries just sort of, like, they describe the plot, sort of the basic, this is what happens in the film, but don't really give you a sense of what the film is about. Yeah, you know? 
it's really a love triangle. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in this kind of weird fucked up way and this sort of like intergenerational challenge as well. And, and, you know, this, this sort of like this kind of weird and then like kind of a buxom sex comedy as well. You know, right. At the same time, you know, uh, I mean, and, it, it is a description of like sort of the basics of what happens in the first two thirds of the film, but doesn't really describe the film. You know? Yeah. And to the credit of IMDb, I saw another synopsis for this, which basically went into excruciating detail about every element of the plot. It was 40 paragraphs long or something like that. So it's like, I don't, I don't know that there is that much plot. I mean, I'm kind of like amazed that someone would go to that much effort to describe the plot. Of this film <laughs> that, I'm not bashing the film, but there's just, you know, if you're putting that much emphasis on the story, you're kind of missing the point. You know? Yeah, you, you might have a bit of an obsession. There's there's the a middle ground. There's a middle ground between you know not describing the story at all and describing the story in you know anatomically correct detail. You know. Yeah, and this little droplet of blood went down Ingrid Pitt's left boob in this direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of the 40 paragraphs, there were like 18 of them were just describing one particular shot of the film, I'm, I'm certain. I'm kind of thinking, yeah. So we'll just move on. What are your sort of initial thoughts on this, Daniel? I, I sometimes do these and kind of, you know, after work, I kind of do them in two sessions. Like I'll kind of do the first half of the film and then kind of finish it the next day or whatever. Right. Um, and I did that with this one. The first 30 minutes or so, kind of bored me to tears <laughs> you know i was really kind of struggling through it i kind of like i i just stopped it and went i i'm just gonna do almost anything else than watch this <laughs> film right now i was kind of dreading it but then i kind of came back to it the next day and i and i hit play on it and suddenly it's like so i do think i mean and, and that might be just the mood i had struck it at i may have just but no the, the, the last hour of this film is is actually a really good film the first 30 minutes is kind of interminable and really like, kind of goes nowhere and does nothing of any interest. You could start this film at the 30-minute mark and not miss a whole lot, <laughs> honestly. The final hour is is a very, is very very good. I think it's funny. I mean, it's it's not really a horror movie in a no. lot of ways. I mean, it's it's kind of more black comedy. It's kind of it's a love triangle. It's sort of, uh, you know romantic comedy in a way it's a character study i mean it's you know what's happening on screen is definitely this kind of horrific you know like murder and you know bathing in the blood of the innocent and all that sort of thing but it's not played it doesn't play that way it plays as a more of a you know um but it also um sort of succeeds at not being you know the story of the you know the vain old woman who bathes in the blood of virgins to maintain her youth, etc. You know, is simultaneously kind of a story about like kind of the excesses of aristocracy and you know yeah. just you know that. But but it also often in sort of popular retellings becomes a story of sort of female vanity. And you know, this film. I mean, I'm not going to say it completely avoids, but it mostly avoids the worst of that by ultimately making the story less about like she's being vain. And more about, you know, her boyfriend there is just a complete dick about it. You know? <laughs> he's, just, he's just like, you know, you unfuckable hag when she's like, her, you know, and then, and then all he, then suddenly she's young and he's, he's like, oh, now I got to get with this. And I mean, I'm not saying Ingrid Pitt is not, you know, sexy and, and wonderful and all, but, you know, there is this, you know, like, come on, man, like, 
you know, like be reasonable about this. But then she's like kind of going after these young studs while she while she's young. And I mean, it becomes more of a kind of a portrait of like these very kind of particular characters and this very broad, not 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 in a nuanced or kind of subtle. It's not like a shoegazy kind of you no. know like romantic film, but it does uh, it does sort of have a certain element of you know we are kind of like watching these characters and because the characters become a little bit more specific than the kind of overt cardboard kind out so maybe the first third of the film makes it mm-hmm. think we're gonna get it does avoid sort of the worst of the you know the worst of the sort of anti-feminist uh political reading uh yeah. it, does, it does kind of at least keep it its distance from that a little bit and i appreciated that overall i like the film but i don't know that i'll ever rewatch that first third again <laughs> like it's yeah. just yeah no it, it really is a struggle i was this is the first time for me watching this too this is like one of the few Oh, you've never seen this? Yeah, no. Oh, nice. This is one of the few Hammer films I I haven't seen, so it was it was a new watch for me, and I only just watched it today too because I had a busy week. So, mm-hmm. first half hour is just a bunch of people running around in silly hats, not saying anything. Like it's, <laughs> it's 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 so bad. They really should have. I mean, I'm all for authenticity and all that stuff, but they really should have thought strongly about maybe placing this in a different time and place and just keeping the central story intact. Like it wouldn't have hurt them too much to let's just set this in England. Like you can well, do that. You don't even, it's, it's not, I don't even think it's necessarily a setting as much as it is just, we've kind of seen this before and we're just, yeah. you know, I understand that, you know, you're setting up your, your story and you're kind of setting up the narrative and you're kind of giving it some, you know, you're setting up all the stuff that's going to pay off later, except this is all like su- the the setup is all super generic, mm-hmm. and even in seventy one, what is it seventy one? Yeah, even in seventy one, this can't this couldn't have felt all that original. We don't need that much time. And then the other kind of big flaw in the film um, is that you know once you get to the end, it kind of rushes to the conclusion. You know, a modern version of this film. And, uh, you know, I thought about challenging you to remake this, but I realized that I didn't really have a good angle on it. So maybe we could talk about that here in a little bit. Um, But uh, a modern version of this film would kind of give us that first 30 minutes and kind of like more like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But it would have a longer, you know, because there's a, you kind of get to the, the wedding sequence and you feel like, you know, everything that happens from that point feels really perfunctory. You know, you just kind of get to that 90 minute mark and then suddenly somebody gets stabbed and the the movie's over. And, you know, and it's pretty effective in the way that it plays. I mean, I think it's not bad, but, you know, a modern version of this would really kind of put that wedding sequence more kind of the hour mark. And then you get a little bit more of a, you know, the drama can play out. Whereas here it just kind of, you know, it just kind of ends. And I think uh, partly that's a, you know, kind of looking at it through a modern lens and uh, is a little bit unfair, but also I think, uh, you know, as a modern viewer, you know, if you're going to recommend this, you do have to, you know, kind of think, you know, there's a really interesting kind of core to this. There's a, there's a really interesting tone and I think the film is, is well-made overall, but uh, it's definitely kind of a flaw in terms of, uh, you know, recommending it to someone. So. Yeah, I'm not even necessarily saying stick it in super modern times even. I'm just saying, like, you could do this story in Victorian times and not have the silly hats. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my biggest problem with this, is the silly hats. It's- I, I, I kind of liked the silly hats just in the sense of, like, oh, look, the, the silly hats. You know, it's, you know, it's, but, but I definitely was, uh, you know, fairly quickly once this film got good, mm-hmm. I was very quickly in the, oh, this is kind of the funny version. 
this. You know, this is sort of the, you know, this is the Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter version of you know, oh. this kind of basic narrative, you know. And that's kind of the way I approached it, as is not really about history as much as it is kind of it's set in fantasy land village where mm-hmm. these sorts of things happen and where there are like buxom ladies who are, you know, who have all their teeth in the sixteenth century and are, you know, <laughs> Uh, hot to trot, you know. It was that. It was that kind of. It was that kind of moment, you know. It, I I process it as total like sex comedy with kind of a horror bent, but like set in fifteen eighty or whatever. And on that level, there there's a good forty five minutes of this film that delivers perfectly on that on that level. Yeah, as we've said, you get past the first thirty minutes or so, and then you're kind of good to go with this because then it does develop into this sort of. Well, part of it is this sort of love triangle thing going on. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of comedy bits in this. You have uh, Grandmaster Fabio, which is a name I need to use for something at some point. Yeah. Who <laughs> was, was my favorite character in the film just because of the beard. Like, you, you, yeah. you can't... I kept I kept looking at a lot of these actors and going, like, they have to have been in Doctor Who, right? I mean, you know, so many of these Some of them have been. Yeah, Ingrid Pitt was in Doctor Who twice. I didn't go through and like check everybody, but the guy who played the uh, bailiff there, um, uh, Peter Jeffrey, he was in Doctor Who. Oh yeah, was, yeah. I didn't look at him, so we'll anyway. Go ahead. So I did like as this film sort of developed, you sort of get all these different sort of sides to this. You have the central thing about Pitt's character with this obsession with beauty to the point where. It almost manif- manifests hatred towards any sort of beautiful young woman she sees. Like before she, <laughs> before she discovers her uh, miracle cure all, when you know she gets splashed with blood on her face, and all of a sudden her face gets youthful. She just seems like a mean old bitch. Like she just, I'm I'm old and I hate it, and I hate all <laughs> yeah. the young girls. It's a fine little performance on mm-hmm. that level. And I mean that for that kind of opening bit where like she gets splashed with blood, she gets the the youth bukkake thing you know, <laughs> kind of happens where that is that is kind of a neat like what is it the girl like burns her hand in the water you know because she draws the bath too warm mm-hmm. and suddenly uh you know then she's like oh you gotta cut this peach for me i mean it is she it's mean you know mm-hmm. and, and mean in this kind of vindictive evil but like not not sadistic just in this kind of like i don't care kind of way and it's yeah. again it's just sort of fun and a i really want to see her get her comeuppance you know and then, uh, you know, it kind of leads to the, the, the sl- so the opening of the film is kind of like, oh yeah, you know, kind of, but then it, you kind of get that like 20 minutes that kind of follow that. And it's just kind of, what are, what are we doing here? It just seems like, yeah. like partly stage manner, stage manner kind of drama. And uh, it just, yeah. I completely lost interest in the film for a while. But, you, just, you, know. you, you just get all these rich people being dicks to peasants is basically what yeah. it is for the first 20 minutes. And like you said, how this sort of feels, oh, we've done this before plenty of times. I can't name the movies. I was trying to think about it today, and I didn't have time to do research, but I have seen variations of the scene done by Hammer before with the uh, carriage running over a peasant. Uh-huh. That's the opening of the movie, basically, where they're they're coming back to the castle, and, and they run over one of the peasants, and then all the... Yeah, I mean, it feels a little paint by numbers for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's it's not that it's badly done. I mean, it's it's it's. Oh, no, um, it looks good. I mean, it looks. I mean, it looks phenomenal. I mean, it, it's. I don't have any problems with that. Um, it's it's just kind of you know, there, there's no there's no through line to it. I think no. that's the thing. It's not. It's not. You don't. I don't really know where the film is going for a while. And uh, not in a way that sort of like builds interest, but in a way that just sort of like, oh, well, we just needed to throw like, you know, 30 minutes of scenes in this to kind of pad out the length. And, uh, you know, we put it towards the beginning because 
That's just what we did. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Then, then you get into it again. Pitt's performance really drives this. Like I, I think there's three really great performances in this. And then the rest are just sort of, they just sort of taper off from eh to really wooden and just who gives a shit. I think Nigel Green and Ingrid Pitt kind of are the best overall yeah. here. And then Maurice Dinham, who does uh grandmaster Fabio. Yeah. Um, who should have a rap career with that name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking really good. He's, he's just the perfect sort of little side foil to these more serious characters. He's, he's just being goofy and walking around the castle. Like at one point he's, I found this book that shows all these passages in this castle I never knew yeah. about. And he's basically just feeling up the he, walls he, for secret he passages. Feels, he feels like he's in his own movie, kind yeah. of doing his own thing. And he just kind of wanders into this one every so often, um, <laughs> which works, which works for the film. Mm-hmm. He also, like, once he shows up, the film definitely, you know, livens up and it kind of becomes more interesting. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the young guy who's the, uh, who's like the love interest. Oh, yeah, uh, he's... His name? Sander Ellis is uh, Imre Toth, who... I cannot even remember his face now, except I, he did have an impressive mustache. That's the one. That's about that's it. The one, and the mustache is the performance for this. I do kind of <laughs> feel like they cast him knowing if we give this man a mustache and, and just point it out just the right angle, you've got a character there. And that's that's all you need. You know? he came He's off pretty. The, He's pretty. You know? Yeah. He came off to me like Timothy Dalton without the acting talent kind of thing you know like i he just he comes you know there's this so much of this feels doctor who to me you know i just you know mm -hmm. and he comes across as like just sort of the generic actor that they would sometimes just throw in a role like this in doctor who where he's just a guy who did some tv who you know shows up and you know reads his lines and he's not terrible but he's just kind of a big pile of wet cardboard (laughs) and And he's standing right next to the other big pile of wet cardboard that's actually a monster in doctor this week (laughs) i i I believe him to the degree that i believe he actually wants to have sex with ingrid pitt that's 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 the one thing that he has to do in the film and he does that he does that perfectly well you know yeah, he, he, he looks just, like he's probably a good kisser, and that's 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 what's important for us too. Yeah, he, uh, he gets right on that booby as soon as he has a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, like one a starving of my, baby. One of my favorite characters is uh, Ziza, the uh, the prostitute, and she's uh, good. She's and, and but but again, like she's just a, you know kind of the busty lady who's. Yeah. You know, just kind of hanging out and. But it, it, it she, is interesting. It, you, you get this element of fun that comes with these characters, right? Who are but it, in, you know? it is it is kind of interesting too uh, in this movie. Um, so Ingrid Pitt here is presented as the super sexy starlet, and she's in her mid thirties at this point. So she's yeah, actually no. she's, she's actually, like thirty two or thirty three of this, which thirty four. I mean, let's, let's not let's not pretend like you know. Oh, thirty four is like clearly the old hat, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, but <laughs> but, but you know, she's certainly not the twenty two year old sex pot. That, no, and the sorry, and, and and the the barmaid, she's you know she's not the thin waisted you know typical kind of Hollywood starlet that they show nude in these films either. She's, she's got a full figure, you know, Andrea Lawrence plays the uh, barmaid and she is 30, 30 at this point, you know? And I mean, yeah, but, but again, like this is, uh, you know, (laughs) she wasn't, it's, it's this sort of interesting thing where it's like, they're not hired for, you know, being the like supermodel thin wayfish type. Right. They're hired because, you know, they're decent actresses. They're they're fun to be around. They have a good 
camera presence and also they've got big boobs her role in the film is to is to be charming and buxom and goofy and also to have really nice tits that we want to look at and we get to see and mm-hmm. how lovely for everyone you know yeah we get a lot of we get a lot of nudity in this some of it is is like after the fact did bodies nude you know kind of oh, later yeah, no yeah no there, there's like a pile of nude wayfish forms and uh, that was that was not the fun kind of nudity but no you do get you do get a bit of that um there there's uh, like these kids find uh the uh i, I think it's the dead gypsy in, in the woods and it's like sort of turning on its head the idea of finding porn in the woods <laughs> you, you, right. you know somebody's hid their playboys out in the woods and you find them that is the worst possible kind of of that <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like this fucked up 16th century stand by me i think is kind of what's yeah. going on in that <laughs> they have their own story you know like oh yeah. we found we found a dead prostitute in the wood or a dead gypsy in the woods oh okay <laughs> also uh, on the comedy bent so there's this subplot where so basically the the, the countess her husband dies and most of the first half hour of this is oh he left a will and everyone's getting some things out of the will some people are definitely not happy doby's pretty fucking pissed off the countess has to share her fortune with her daughter and she discovers the uh, miracle cure of the blood bukkake, you know. So she's like, "Okay, I can, I can pretend to be my daughter, and I can romance this young dude. All I have to do is have my daughter kidnapped and kept somewhere." So she is kidnapped and kept in a cabin of a local huntsman. Mm-hmm. And I basically called this guy Quentin Tarantino because he's got a bit of a foot fetish. He definitely <laughs> is. A, and there's a bit of a like, Tarantino vibe that's going on in that, that, those, those scenes. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of got a little bit of that, you know, woman in peril. It's got a little bit of that. You know, there, there is that kind of edgy black comedy that's kind of going on. It has a compelling, you know, she gets to escape at the end by, yeah. you know, like seducing the guy and then just, you know, Still in the keys and running off, which is a, a nice feeling. Yeah, no, like that whole subplot just sort of like it feels like it's in another. Again, it feels, yeah, like talking about the, you know, I haven't had really had a chance to sit and think that hard about it, but the more I do, the, the more it is. This is, this does feel like a film that's kind of composed of four or five other like short films right. that kind of crammed together. I think that's part of what makes it feel a little bit more like TV, you know, because TV Mm -hmm. can get structured this way where you have an A plot and a B plot and then they kind of come together at the end or whatever. And um, so this does feel a little bit a little bit like that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other little things here and there to like about this. I, I think the sets look really good, especially yeah. for a hammer. And in, in this period, I think it's uh, the weirdest boner ever, you know, bloody sponge bath. There's that moment where her, uh, that little uh, curtain or whatever is, is knocked away uh, that she was standing behind. So, so, so let's, let's describe this sequence. Shall we? Let's, <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth describing for, for the audience who may, who may not see the film. There's this love triangle that's happening. I'm describing it as a love triangle so like ingrid pitt when she's young and beautiful young and beautiful trisha whatever mm-hmm. she's fucking this young guy our, our charmless mustache man yeah and then when she gets older she kind of goes back to her her boyfriend who is i mean a perfectly handsome guy i mean you, mm-hmm. you kind of like you don't you don't necessarily think like this guy is really like hard up for you know, like he has options, right? You know, yeah. um, but you know, he's sticking to with the with the older Ingrid Pitt, and I have no uh, disrespect for that. But she doesn't want to fuck him; she just wants to fuck the the young, you know, 
piece of charmless wood. So as sort of a, <laughs> as a way of kind of turning Ingrid Pitt against the young guy, he basically, the, the boyfriend gets the, gets the young guy to bring the prostitute back to the castle. Mm-hmm. And then while they're kind of doing their, their little, uh, you know, in flagrant delicto kind of thing. He just kind of brings the now elderly Ingrid Pitt because the magic blood thing has worn off into yeah. the room. And then like you discover that he couldn't even get it up for the prostitute because he's so in love with <laughs> and voluptuous, yeah. Pitt, which, you know, Hey, you know, I, I get that. Also, there's probably a little bit of whiskey dick happening here. Probably, I mean, you know, <laughs> you definitely get the sense that he was probably not quite as sober as he might've uh, otherwise seemed. And uh, but as part of that process, so then she she kind of runs away, and kind of goes off, and they kill the prostitute, mm-hmm. and then there's what the gypsy is killed right after that, or something like that. Uh, I think and, the gypsy was killed before that. Okay, so yeah. anyway, but they kill somebody else. I forget the the exact sequence of this. But, oh, they kill Fabio um, uh, a little bit later after that. Yeah, yeah. Do they bathe in Fabio's blood? Is he a virgin? Is that kind of no? Weird? Okay, you know. <laughs> um. So, but anyway, so you get this sequence where, you know, uh, the boyfriend is kind of wandering around in his, you know, kind of wooden way and wondering, you know, where, where his voluptuous young bride, bride to be is. And, you know, no, 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 you need to, you need to go see your mom. You need to go see your mom who is the countess. And then uh, suddenly we walk into the room and then we get this very like overt shot that pans over to a shade to a, to Mm -hmm. a like divider and then uh, the boyfriend just kind of like shoves it down, and then we get Ingrid Pitt selectively covered in blood, like bathing herself, not exactly covering so much as cradling her tits, yeah. and a uh, very ooh coquettish and Yes, yeah, it's like sixties, seventies yeah. sex comedy thing. Well, it's like no, a, no, it's it's definitely like you you definitely get that. It's it's blood instead of soap bubbles. Is yeah, sort of the, the the vibe you get from that, and it was uh, so nicely done. It was such a nice little shot. I actually watched it twice just for the cinematography. <laughs> of course, just yes. for the cinematography. Oh, was, I understand. You know, went Same through, uh, did, did a little bit of a freeze frame on that just to mm-hmm. you know just to check it out to see. I liked how it was framed. I, yeah, I had was, I had to like like Peter Sasdy. Good work there. Good framing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, nicely done, nicely done. But yeah, no. So, so that's the scene we're talking about. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that happens, and again, it it feels like it's out of a different movie. If it wasn't blood covering her, it, it definitely would be in a different movie. Well, but you can you can imagine this basic story like without the blood, without the murder, with it, if it's just this sort of like it's a magic potion or whatever that she right. has to take, you know? And, you know, so like you can imagine this being kind of like a love potion number nine kind of yeah. story. You can imagine this as a sort of goofy sex comedy. So the idea that they kind of took that basic aesthetic and then turned it into this weird horror comedy thing. It's kind of advanced for that. I mean, it, it feels something that's a little bit more modern, but it doesn't quite know how to balance the, the yeah. different, you know, qualities. Cause there's nothing really scary in the film. You know, it really doesn't, there's nothing that there, there's nothing dissettling or anything. I guess the ending, like when you, when you get to the actual ending and then, um, then suddenly like hammer just kind of hits at home being like, you know, where, you know, you, you get the people that chanting Countess Dracula and, you know, you kind of get a little bit of a horror sting at the end, but that's like yeah. literally the last 30 seconds of the film where you get a, like a little bit of that, that same kind of vibe until then that's... it's been either dull or sexy, funny, you know, it 
Yeah, that's that's my biggest complaint with it. It doesn't go far enough in the horror. Like, if you hadn't guessed already, this is based on the Hungarian countess, uh, Elizabeth Bathory. So this, this story is based on that. And she's famous for supposedly being responsible for the deaths of upwards of 600 young women. And 600 seems to be like the, the absolute maximum number. Yeah. And like, kind of, I, I did these, I did the, you know, maybe 15 minutes worth of reading on this. And, uh, you know, it seems like you can pretty much based on eyewitness testimony, two to 300 seems like a really reasonable yeah. number. And some estimates go as high as 600, but that seems to be kind of pushing it a little bit. But when, when the answer is, well, she only killed 200 people. And not only that, but it wasn't like, you know, gave them a nice death. Some of them she froze to death. Some of them burnt, like a bunch of the bodies were burned with pincers and, you know, hot coals and stuff. I mean, you know, stabbings, you know, just, I mean, she was, she was a sadist in the, in the kind of worst possible mold of that. I mean, literally like, you know, apparently holding people's hands down, sticking needles under their fingernails. And then if they removed the needles and they cut their fingers off. No. Apparently, she like enlisted some of her other servants in the house, like forced to engage in some of this to like help out. You know, honestly, like I would love to see a a real story. I would love to see you know a movie about the real version of this. You know, yeah. it, it, uh, although I don't know how you make this and not turn it into just pure Eli Roth style torture porn. That's you know, the kind of thing, that's know? the thing. Eli Roth actually sort of did that in Hostel too. He yeah, he yeah. did a take on that. But yeah, I think this movie, it should have went a little bit farther. Like, Hammer was never known for going like, excessively violent in their stuff. So that was kind of a drawback for them in any way. Like, that was just kind of something they weren't quite willing to do. Like, right. I think about as hardcore as they got was Captain Kronos. You know, that would be about as hardcore as they got on yeah. most of their stuff. Or some of the blood effects in some of their Dracula films. But that's about yeah. it. So well, it's not even it's not even necessarily like a gore thing or like no. you know it's just sort of more you know if you're going to kind of portray this uh, character you know if you've got this kind of basic idea and you're you know it seems like well why not sort of tell some version of the real thing but I mean ultimately it's it's less about the real Elizabeth Bathory and it's more about the sort of the myth and the, this sort yeah. of like this idea and and again they do avoid most of the like kind of common pitfalls of it which I which I admired you know so um, you know yeah it, it's it's all right I'm not a big fan of this film again I, I think some of the drawbacks that we've highlighted kind of Put it in the eh, see it, but don't go to your way to see it for me kind of kind of thing. It's it's on Amazon Prime. If you're a Prime member, you can watch it for free. Maybe kind of skim the first twenty minutes and uh, you know kind of like watch the first five to ten, and then just kind of do the. I don't know if there's like a one point four x speed you can kind of just get through <laughs> the next little bit of, but or take that excuse to to open the you know to drink the glass of beer while you're. Yeah, you know, kind of not paying too much attention, and then like once you finish the beer, you'll be at the uh, you'll be at the good parts. That's that's kind yeah, of yeah. You'll you'll either you'll either see you'll either see Ingrid Pitt getting her uh, boobs sucked on, or you'll see her sponge bathing in blood. Either way, you yeah. Know. Or you um, or you get to see or you get to see the prostitute being lovely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Or the gypsy, and I kind of find it hard to believe that gypsy was a virgin. It's, there's no way that's going unspoiled in that. <laughs> It's like 
for me, she was the most beautiful woman in, in the film. Was, she ain't no virgin. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, <laughs> I love I love the uh, I love the like slave selling scene where you know there's like there's little like two women like standing there going, No, you want to buy me. I'm the you know, and then they've got the thigh out and you know everything and yeah, it's like, look look no, at the muscles of your thighs and not, not not you, no, you. Oh, no one would want to fuck her. She's clearly <laughs> the, the hag. And then you look at her and it's like, she seems perfectly lovely to me. Yeah, she looked fine. She just happens to be hanging out with a goat. That's the only she thing. Just, she was hanging out with a goat, and she was not as, as buxom. And that's 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 kind of the... I, I've used that word like four times in this, but like this is a very buxom it's movie. Warded. <laughs> yeah, it's warded. Yeah, it's, you know, that's if, if you take nothing from this podcast review of this film other than blood and buxom, you, you've understood the appeal of the film. Those are the mm-hmm. two things about the film that you should take away. Yeah. DVD info for this uh, film was released on DVD along with The Vampire Lovers as a double feature for the Midnight Movies uh, from MGM in 2003. And although I would apparently the, the Blu-ray release from Synapse Films in 2014 is fucking exceptional. I guess the Midnight Movies version isn't properly uh, anamorphic. Uh, it it, mm. it, it kind of cuts off a little bit too much of the screen. So uh, if you want to see this movie in its full glory, you can see it from Synapse Films, from uh, that Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, I wanted to mention just a couple little trivia points here. Apparently for the longest time, Ingrid Pitt was actually pretty pissed off when she discovered her voice had been dubbed. Apparently mm-hmm. they hadn't told her, so there was like a long time where she wouldn't talk with uh, Peter Sasty. although they eventually came back and did the DVD commentary together and sort of made up, I guess, so yeah. that's good. That also, happens, you know. Yeah, and I, listened- I, dubbed, I dubbed your voice because I didn't want you to speak in the film. I just wanted you to, and then which is so weird. Forty years her, later, her accent's perfect for the region of the world that she's supposedly in in this movie. It's, uh, I think it's less that and more. It's not, it's not about like you know period and region realism. It's about yeah. like you know. I, I guess, but her accent isn't even that thick. It's like no, it's whatever. But and also, apparently, Ingrid Pitt was pretty passionate about this was kind of disappointed that it didn't stick more historically accurate she apparently talks about this in the commentary i haven't listened to the commentary yet i'm going to do it sometime this week also diana rigg was the first choice for elizabeth and uh, she turned it down so that's why ingrid pitt got got cast on this because pitt wasn't even uh, with hammer at this point uh she did vampire lovers Mm-hmm. And went off to Amicus and did uh, one of the segments in The Host of Drips Blood. Then she came back to Hammer to do this. And this was like her first big starring role in Hammer. She was just like co-star in uh, Vampire Lovers. I'm trying to imagine this film with Diana Rigg. And, well, I don't know if it would be the same film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it would probably be a bit more sinister. Like she's Yeah, well, Ingrid Pitt just sort of like automatically brings a little bit of a kind of a campy you know, kind yeah. of fun performance to it, which I think reshapes the, I mean, the film kind of reshapes around her in, in a way, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Remaking this, is that, uh, is that a topic we should, uh, we should yeah, cover? We could because, do that. So the way we play this game and I don't have like, I'm not challenging this, you know, cause normally <laughs> like we play, sometimes we play this game. We used to play a little more often, but you know, let's remake this. And the idea is, you're a studio executive, or you're you're in, like you're an indie producer. You're you're like a guy. You're you're here to make films. You're here to put deals together. I come to you. I've got X amount of dollars. Remake this film. I want a star. I want a director, and I want a concept. 
And that's the sort of, you know. So who do you cast? Who do you want to direct it? What's your, like, and what's the, like, what's the log line? Like, what's the, how are we going to sell this? All right. Directing it, I would probably get Ben Wheatley. I can I, see that. I think he kind of fits this sort of material really well. So you would definitely go a lot more like straight horror with this. I would. I'm, I don't know exactly how I'd work this, but I'd actually want to set this in sort of like a Salem's witch trial kind of scenario somehow. I like it. I like it. That that sort of that sort of time period, like a really pious woman of the church who's secretly a blood drinking sadist who needs to you know like bathe in the blood of witches quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, no, yeah, no i i i like i like where you're going with this this is interesting yeah for the ingrid pit role i think i've used her before and when we did this game before julianne moore because she is not only a woman of slightly advanced age at this point but you wouldn't guess it by looking at her sure um so you could, so you, she know, could you you could kind of age her up a little bit with with some mm-hmm. makeup, but then also kind of give her, you know, she could she could play like younger for the you yep. know for the yeah no, uh for the uh, young little piece of meat for her oh, man I don't know because I'm trying to think of like how how much do I even want out of this role from this person like it, it's it's kind of hard to think of it just because he's so dull in the actual film, um. Well, I mean, if we're if you're if you're gonna go a lot more like you know if you're gonna go with a sort of the darker version, like we don't have to kind of treat it in the same way, you know. You can you can definitely, especially if you're gonna rewrite it as is gonna is kind of about the Salem witch witch trials, you know. You kind of it looks a lot more like uh, the Scarlet Letter, you know. And so yeah, so you're you kind of you know, you know, I think Christian Bale would look pretty good in like Puritan duds. Yeah, sure. I think he could pull yeah. that off. Actually, yeah. I actually he'd be he'd be in the Nigel Green role. He'd be the Captain Doby, I think. Yeah, no, I can see he's, that. He's old enough for he, that. He looked good with the 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 uh, some great facial hair in this film. Also, I will, mm-hmm. I, will I will give this film great facial hair credit. You know, I, I and, definitely. Uh, this, despite the long beard on Fabio, I think Doby has the overall best looking beard. You know, uh, this is this is almost threatening to turn into a fucking. Um, uh, I'm getting Ben Wheatley the directed, but it's also it, it's. Threatening to turn into um, what's his face who did the uh, Batman films, the, oh, the latest Batman films Nolan? before the Justice Nolan. It's almost threatening to turn into a Nolan film because Michael Caine. I, I would get Michael Caine sure. and I would put him yeah. in the beard. I'd make him do the crazy shit, and yeah. I think he would work well in that. You could go Morgan Freeman if you wanted to, uh, you know, justify <laughs> this a little bit, you know. Well, I, I have a hard time believing a black guy would have any position of uh, hierarchy or power in, in this, during the Salem witch trials. Yeah, fair enough. But, yeah. I mean, he's like a steward, like, so, you know, come on. Like, how, I, guess, know, I guess, I uh, guess. Or at the very least, he'd be like one of the... Uh, townspeople or something, one of the peasants right, or something right, along yeah, those yeah. lines, right? Um, and that, I think that's about it. Uh, that's the, that's the, those are the, those are the only people that we really need to, that we really need to cast. Yeah. Um, you know, um, my version of this went more, you know, for towards the comedy version, mm-hmm. like kind of to make the, the dark comedy a, a little, you know, just kind of more overt. I don't really have a director, but I've been thinking about like, it's like, who do you cast? Like who's, Who's the who? Who could really do this lead? And I suddenly have this, I, I have this image that Tessa Thompson should be the, the female lead in this, and she was the Valkyrie from uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, 
you know, I see her because I think she's amazing. Um, I kind of want to see it. And I kind of want to, it's pretty well established. I mean, she has not like come out. It's pretty well established that she's a lesbian or bisexual. Like she's Mm -hmm. been in a relationship with Janelle Monae for years and they don't like say like we're lovers and we're, you know, like basically married, but it's pretty well understood. And it makes me kind of want to do like an all like queer women version of this film. Oh, I like that too. Which kind of makes me think that what we need to do is get like, uh, I, man, now I want to do like the dark comedy version with like Alexi Alexander, who is a, uh, she's a director who has done a ton of TV um, she actually lives in Germany. Um, she's like really, uh, she's got like 60,000 followers on Twitter and I know her mostly from Twitter, but she's directed a whole bunch of like, uh, you know, she's directed Supergirl. She's directed a okay. bunch of stuff, but she's a boxer in real life and she's got right. like a real kind of action aesthetic to what she does. And so I can sort of see this sort of action movie, lesbian comedy kind of version of this. So let's move away from horror entirely and have Tessa Thompson as the lead. Lexi Alexander directs, and then just cast clueless dudes as the, you know, like uh, she and Chris Hemsworth have such great chemistry in Thor Ragnarok. I kind of want to see Chris Hemsworth as the completely clueless boyfriend, and I want him to play it in straight up his role in uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, right. Yeah, I want him to play it that dumb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm totally just fan casting for Thor Ragnarok now. So uh, well, that, that works. That works. Yeah. That that's a good movie. The fan cast from so. and and actually, you can imagine. Okay, as long as we're going to do that, we might as well bring Kate Blanchett in as the as the as the lover. But then once right. you know Tessa Thompson gets young again, she suddenly is like, I don't know, I'm into dudes again because you know I'm like young and beautiful, and then like he's just this complete chud. And that's the like narrative here. And but because we're getting Lexi Alexander to direct it, I think we need full on tons of great low budget action scenes while we're at and it. Jeff Goldblum is Fabio. Jeff Goldblum is Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> just completely in his uh, so yeah, we're just gonna recast this from Thor Ragnarok. Actually, now that we're talking about it, I mean I would love to give this to Lexi Alexander, but I could totally see uh uh what's his name? Take uh, Takey uh, Watiti, uh, sorry, uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok, who is amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good comedy. That so that, that yeah. works. Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think we've each kind of had a really interesting Tika Watiki Watiti, which I realize now that I cannot pronounce um, at this time of night. But uh, you know, that's that's the guy's name, and uh, I would love to see him. Uh, yeah, I just want to see that cast come back and do this film. That's that's my that's my ideal version. And no, I did not rewatch Thor Ragnarok in the last two weeks. Um, uh, night. I, I actually did as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great it's such a great little fun movie. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. Yeah. So I had the thought that next week we should do something we have not done in a while. Oh and, no! And tackle three movies. Okay. Okay, so um, I, w- I was just kind of thinking that we should get these sort of all off the board. The Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, and Twins of Evil. And we could just do a whole big hodgepodge kind of thing like we do. We don't have to necessarily go film by film. We can just sort of, you know, uh, just just dig in. And it'll probably be a bit longer of an episode than usual 
uh, of what we've been doing lately anyway. Which yeah. It's been really nice. By I've, the been, way, I've been enjoying the, I've been enjoying the shorter episodes. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's been, it's, it's nice to do one, get it done in 45 minutes and then move on, you know, but uh, like but doing the longer ones is also, you know, sometimes you want a quickie. Sometimes mm-hmm. you want an extended slow session. It's just, you yeah. know, it just depends. <laughs> it just depends on, on whether you've got Ingrid Pitt or Tessa Thompson you, yeah. at your, at your disposal or not, you know? Yeah, and uh, next week, if we if we do that, we will have Ingrid Pitt at our disposal, as well as a lot of other really sexy hammer babes as well. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, sounds good. We'll do okay. it. Yeah, we'll do that then. And until next time, thank you for joining joining me, Daniel, and uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with some sexy lesbian vampires next time. Bye bye. Nice to you.
You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Facebook group links, as well as podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.